Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Bill Franklin, who is the CEO of Hardy Australia, a company committed to providing solutions that ensure an environmentally responsible, sustainable future within crop protection. Welcome to the show, Bill. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. Yes. When I was doing my homework on you, I was like, wow, I'm curious what some of your best practices are as a leader, because I know one of the things you said is that you really try hard to build a culture of innovation, which allowed several new products to be launched. But I'm also curious in one of the statements that I read about you is that you are a builder of high-performing dedicated teams of best-in-class professionals. So why don't you tell me what are some of your leadership practices that you think have contributed to your ongoing success at Hardy, but also at, at the previous companies you led? I can recall, for instance, you referred to innovation. Innovation is a very a very important thing for me in, in all of the roles that I've undertaken running businesses, because if we don't innovate, we perish. Mm. Innovation doesn't just apply to product. Innovation applies more than anything to the development of our people. And you refer to the development of high-performing teams. And really, I think this is one of the elements of leadership that is, is often overlooked. And the development of high-performing teams is not just, and I can't emphasize enough, it is not just in a technical way. In fact, it's more in a philosophical way. In my experience, people have to be ready to contribute at a level above which their competitors are able to contribute. And this is the difference between what I term a transactional contribution and an embodied contribution. Embodied mm -hmm. contribution is so much more value to the company because it, um, it addresses um, elements of value in terms of that employee's contribution. So I always try and focus on the philosophical development of our people. For instance, I was paid a compliment. And when the compliment was made, it wasn't intended necessarily as a compliment. And I didn't accept it as a compliment. But over the years, I've looked back on it and thought, you know, someone's really accurately captured what it is that we seek to achieve. And the very simple statement was, what is it about your people? They're like a team of volunteers. Hmm. And I think that captures the attitude that we try and create in our people, that their business is more than a job. It's a cause to them. Mm -hmm. And they probe every angle of it. They are there to achieve. They are there to deliver. They are there to succeed rather than just turning up between eight and five. So I've never forgotten that. And I've always focused on the personal development of our people. I think one of the lessons perhaps that I learned early in my career was we were tasked with transforming a business, not in Australia, it was offshore, that had very successfully manufactured plastic and steel products. We'd been very successful, great margins. We'd internationalized the business, but there was very limited horizon ahead for us. So we had to transform this business into a manufacturer or developer of intelligent products. So we set about transforming this business into the data space data collection, data interpretation, and data rendering to deliver value to our customers. So when we set about that, I overlooked the importance of having facilitators in that process. And I thought that as a young manager, I would be able to change the culture 
of our people, but that was very difficult, to be frank. So we employed a couple of um, PhD grads, young guys that were very personable, perhaps not the normal bookworm type. And I watched how these guys became accidental facilitators. Hmm. They were able to change things that I wasn't able to change because they changed it from an inspirational perspective rather than from a direct and control perspective, which hmm. management naturally try and influence things from. That was a great awakening for me because I was able to see how these guys were able to perform and, and they had no experience in management, but they were able to influence transformational change on a much greater level than I was. And most importantly, I think what it revealed to me was a blind spot. And that blind spot was that when we get great people in key roles, they're able to achieve so much more than just the CEO or the business leader trying to make these changes themselves. It's mm -hmm. absolutely key that we get these embodied people into our businesses. And I think once we see that blind spot, recognize that blind spot, it, it, it is a, almost an epiphany for managers. It, it, it's not something that happens overnight. We gradually gain confidence in these people. And I think we gradually remove ourselves from center stage, stand back towards the rear of the stage, watch these people going about their craft, often quite innocently, but we realize how much they're actually achieving. Mm. So you called them the accidental facilitators, but it sounds to me like you accidentally learned a leadership blind spot and that helped you then Absolutely. become very effective. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, was one of the key learnings in my career, to be honest. Yeah. Do you use any tools in terms of making sure you hire the right people? Uh, in, in recent times, I've tended to rely more on the perceptive abilities that I've managed to uh, develop over the years. Mm -hmm. I look for values more than technical skills, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I look for values such as authenticity. I look for values like caring. Yeah. I look for people who are determined because those people, if they have a reasonable intellectual platform, will learn the technical elements of the business, yeah. but be able to inspire people to perform at levels that they themselves wouldn't have believed previously. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, business is about performance. Yeah. And, and so, so then when you're interviewing them, do you also look for their capacity to innovate? Or is that just part of the culture you build around people that allows that to happen? I used the term earlier in this conversation, uh, embodied. Yeah. And I look for embodiment in what people do, because when we're embodied, we're able to get a depth of perspective. We're able to derive much deeper perceptions, more accurate perceptions than if we just view things transactionally. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to jump around too much here, but when I um, decided to undertake my MBA, I was lucky enough to meet a, um, a philosopher who took me for uh, foundations of management thought. And this guy had a wonderful way of describing things. And his name is 
Dr. Stephen Zagal, no relation whatsoever to your Dr. Stephen Zagal. But, <laughs> Who introduced um, us, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, Stephen often used the term the gift of the wound hmm. to describe embodiment. And I think if someone has a very strong attachment to something, they're able to deliver um, additional dimensions of performance. And, and I certainly look for that embodiment when I'm recruiting, whether it's in understanding people, whether it's in problem solving, whether it's in coping mechanisms, whatever it's in, I, I look for that skill. So you could say it's really uh, embodiment of being completely involved in the vision. Absolutely. Our customers um, attribute considerable value to us understanding their perspective and their requirement, not just telling them that, but demonstrating that. Yeah. Wow. And if our people are able to do that, um, our job as leaders becomes very simple. Yeah. Frankly, we become redundant. Hmm. So you said earlier you believe in, in the personal development of people. Do you use any training courses, any classes? What, what tools as a leader do you use? Yes, yes I do. Um, I focus very much on the philosophical platform of our people, their ability to think, their ability to see things that um, they haven't previously seen. And I, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was talking to our CFO one afternoon. Uh, I was putting the executive team through a personal development course. And um, we were just talking generally about how, how it was going. And um, Stephen Segal was actually conducting it for us. And um, I was talking to our CFO and I said, for me, Stephen walks beside me with a torch and there's just enough brightness in the torch for me to see my next step so that I don't make a wrong move. Mm. And for me, that thoroughly described how Stephen's vision assists me. But she came out with something which absolutely floored me. But it was so illustrative as to how it had assisted her. She said, oh, no, for me, Stephen turns out all the lights. So I can't see the things that typically predispose me in one direction. And then when I can see nothing, I can start focusing on seeing new things. Beautiful. Isn't it wonderful? Yes. <laughs> Absolute poetry. And, you know, for me, that was another blind spot because, of course, I had always assumed that we had to cast light upon things hmm. to reveal blind spots. Mm -hmm. Whereas what Stephen was doing for, for this person was casting darkness hmm. to reveal blind spots. Yeah. I think it illustrates to us as leaders that there are many different ways to look for blind spots rather than the typical Jahari um, window style yeah. where, you know, we're just looking yeah. into a quadrant. Yeah, absolutely. 
Wow. Well, I'm so grateful that he connected us and also through my friend, Kate Hughes, and that you chose to come on the show today and share your wisdom. So as we start to wrap up, is there another tip or so that you can give new leaders in terms of how to make it through a crisis or an unexpected challenge? I'm not the type of person that gives advice, but I enjoy to share my experience. And I would say that for me, constructive revelation of blind spots can only occur in certain states. And we as leaders need to be sure that we're in those states. We can't be in a state of sensitivity or denial. We must be in a state of humility and openness because otherwise there's a chance that we'll be threatened by these things. So that's one point that I would make. Another point I would make, and an experience that's been relayed to me by the late, great Nelson Mandela, where Mandela would sit around at night with his closest advisors just before he retired. And he would say, what did I miss today? Hmm. So I would counsel budding leaders, struggling leaders, successful leaders to get with the people they trust when they feel completely at peace and not threatened and say, what did I miss today? Wow. What a great question. Thank you for sharing that. And I love it that you said you don't give advice, but you share experiences. I think that's a very, another very valuable leadership tool. And I know you've shared a lot of your leadership wisdom at your current company. And if they want to know more about it, they can go to hardy.com.au. I'll put that in the description. But thank you again so very much for leading the way you do and, and sharing, you know, how you create a culture of high performance and innovation. And best wishes with all your travels and continuing to lead and, and build great teams and great products. Thank you very much, Bridget, and I'm truly appreciative of this opportunity.